0: Welcome to Nectar Showering Quibbles, also known as Non-Sequitur, and I have as my guest today, Mr. Jacob Morgan. Please tell everyone who you are and why you are. I'm Mr. Jacob Morgan, (laughs) as for why I am... Well, that's a long story, and I don't think my mum would be very comfortable with me saying to be honest. Uh, but I, digre- <laughs> I digress. You, you came into the world the normal manner. <laughs> I came into the world, as many people do, the product of a night of passion, I'm sure. Well, I didn't expect that coming out of your mouth so immediately. Explain to everyone how I know you, that's a useful thing for you to do, and about yourself. How you know me well... Um... In a sort of breakdown, there's a lot of chemicals in your brain that... And you see, you're going to be a problem guest, aren't you? You're going to be clever. That's what you're going to do. You'll be like Jack and Knuckle, and you're just going to be clever at everything I say. Okay, and... Okay. In the more basic level, you know me from LARP. Correct. Uh, Live-action roleplay. If you listen to this, many people will have likely explained this beforehand. Mm. Basically... At some point in our lives, me and Nathan have stared passionately across at each other and hit each other with swords. Quite a lot, actually, because of the, the amount of repping I did. Yeah, no. We like... must have hit each other a lot. Uh, we, we well, have been the last that time will have been the werewolf adventure. Because I was the end boss on that. Yeah, yeah, you were. And you and I was just you being gang rushed. You like, just wailed on me, and we wailed on you. I, I no, there's no way that you can do a one on three <laughs> five Like it didn't matter how many times. You how... you did your best. I yeah. I mean, I was also dealing spirit damage to. Anyway, this is not useful. <laughs> um, right, Jacob. There's a question we ask every guest, mm-hmm. and that question is: If you could be patron saint of something, what would you be patron saint of? Being disappointed in people, but not really. All right, explain. A, a thing that I like to do, because I find it amusing, is to act disappointed in people. I've seen your disappointed, look. Yes, I, I like acting like I'm disappointed in people, and that's because if somebody says something and you go, yeah, okay, that, that's the end of it. They don't get to explain, they don't get to enamor themselves, they don't get to go for anything about it. So if you say, for example, oh... Say for example, your your name is hypothetically James, and you go, "Oh, I wanna, I wanna date a werewolf." If I go, "Yeah, all right, you do you." That's the end of it. Whereas if I look you dead in the eyes, just so dead inside and (laughs) sigh, there's so much more to it. You get a lot more. Mileage out of that statement. Okay, fair enough. I mean, what do people pray to you for, though? Like, so they're like, "Oh, Saint Jacob, please intercede to God so that I may." What? So, so I, I think, I think they pray to me when they they want somebody to be disappointed in them, but not really. Like, it's 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 when they want to is, provoke a reaction. Yeah, yeah, it's when they want to provoke a reaction. So, they like it is genuinely. They'd go, Uh "Dear Peyton Jacob, today I just." I just fantasised about a dragon. And they say that to me, knowing and feeling that stare of disappointment at them. Mm-hmm. Like, they say that, and they can feel the disappointment, but they can rest easy knowing that I'm not actually disappointed. I'm just giving them that feeling. Okay, fair enough. All right, that's, that's a good saying. It's not a saying we've had before, which is always good. Um, we'd like to build a big... We must have, like... We must have a lot of... This is by far our longest-running question. So we must have a lot by now. I'll do like a compilation of saints. some point on the Facebook, I'll just do a big long Facebook post every saint. I'm never going to do that. That's a lot like that. <laughs> you absolutely <laughs> I'm, not. I'm not. I promise a lot of things on this podcast and you listeners never get any of them. Um, uh, anyway, let's move on to our topics that people have suggested. And our first one is doggos from Megan. So I feel <laughs> there may be some history behind this. Knowing some facts about you, would you like to explain the facts? In the house of which I reside... I, I would call it my house, but the house belongs to the dogs. <laughs> um... <sighs> in the house of which i reside there i are... do like jacob speak by the way <laughs> <laughs> the house in which i reside which by which i mean the house belongs to the dogs but i am in it you would think that the humans owned the house but that is not so no no um i think yes no the dogs have more rooms actually dedicated to them than i do <laughs> Uh, they have they have their own garage room, which has more space in it than my bedroom, and the kitchen. So yes, no, it is more their house than mine. Um, and there are five, six, five and a half dogs. Uh, you can't have half a dog. You, yeah, okay, but it's like a it's that weird stage between a puppy and not a puppy. Where it's like it's not really a puppy because it's not like getting milk from its mom. It's independent, but that is not a dog either. All right, sure. You know okay. what I mean. So it's like I, it's, it's. I'll give you half a dog. Yeah, five and a half and seven. Surely, pu- puppy's still a dog. Actually, no. Got, I'll come back to you. Oh, okay, okay. If we count all puppies as dogs, then there uh, are five, twelve dogs. Ooh, that's more. There are twelve well, dogs in my house right now. The puppies are very cute. There, there are six. Pu- mommy- six puppies of one litter, and one puppy that is in its own litter because the dog only had one. A promise that I might actually keep is I will probably replace the image of uh, this podcast with one of the pictures from when I met your puppies, because they were adorable <laughs> at that time. That was a different litter of puppy. There's been puppies since. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's just so many dogs and puppies in my house. That was only a couple of weeks ago. When That wasn't long ago. It that was... was not, no. <laughs> that was only a month at most. There been two litters since then. That's... Sydney. Well, little was born since then. That's a lot. <laughs> yes, that is a lot of puppies. Mm. <laughs> Which is why the house more belongs to dogs and puppies than me. That's that's fair. But I mean, presumably you like the dogs. Uh, I, 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 I like them much in the way that you, you like family. Right. In that you'd, you'd likely like your family a lot more if you weren't living with them. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sure. Distance (laughs) distance makes the heart fond, and I always... So you more more fond of the dogs now, because you're not with them? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Like, when I sat here thinking about the dogs, I'm very fond of them. I think they're very cute and affectionate. Were I to walk into the room with the dogs and they start jumping up on my legs, and barking at me, and licking at me, and generally being a nuisance, I, I think I'd be considerably less fond. So, when I was seven, eight, like primary school age... Uh, I had a friend who lived on a farm, and I went to sweep over at his farm. His dad had their pack of dogs, which were hunting dogs. Um, they were mostly like for getting rid of pests in the farm that would mm. cause problems. He didn't go like it's not like a horse riding, huntie, shoot a fox kind of pack of dogs. It's more like warrening and yeah. yeah, that that those kind of. I don't know which breed they were exactly, but that kind of terrier type, rather than like dalmatians and stuff. Anyway, the dad had forgotten that I was in the house. And knowing that the dogs were trained not to charge down his wife and his child, he let them <laughs> off. But I was in the house. So all of the dogs came in, turned all their heads, barreled into me, knocked me into the sofa. And, like, the dad was terrified. I mean, I was laughing. This was yeah, brilliant like for be me. Yeah, you'll be having time in life. But yeah. obviously, any other way, because they weren't doing anything, any other situation I could have been terrified and all of the dogs got off me as soon as he shouted, but it was um, it was quite an experience to yeah. be trampled by, because I didn't own a dog then, that was a year or two before we got my dog it's, it, I think it's a very different experience getting uh, sort of jumped on by my dogs, because they are miniature now they're small, they're about knee mm-hmm. high so you're, n- you're never going to get knocked over even when there are sort of five six of them jumping at you what you do get, though, is scratches. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. I've, I once, once, made the mistake of going into the dog room in my dressing down, which meant that my legs were exposed. Ah. I still have scratch marks on my legs, and it's been a good four or five months just from the dogs deciding to jump up and scratch. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I used to get them all up my arm when I when I played with my dog because she was a Bedlington. Hmm. I'd rag stuff around and she'd chase after it because that's what they're bred to do. And she would scratch at my hands and arms. Then, but they'd always fade. They'd never be that bad. Dogs are bad. Dogs are just great. <laughs> um, you've never had to, you've never had the midwife a dog, clearly. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. And I always, I actually think. Lots of people say they want a puppy, but I reckon that the ideal time to start owning a dog is just after that stage, the half dog you were talking about earlier. Yeah, so that I think is the ideal point to start owning a dog if all you're wanting is a dog as a pet Mm -hmm. and you want a nice dog that you can sort of, that can be well behaved and trained and stuff. That is the ideal point to start owning a dog. So so that that, that sort of mid-dog stage is actually different between different breeds. Mm. So, uh, for example, a miniature with a miniature Schnauzer, at six weeks, they're about... Oh, probably a bit higher than your ankle, half mm-hmm. the calf kind of height. Um, ball of fluff. And they've not yet really started to look like what they would look like in their maturity. Yeah. But they're frankly a ball of fluff. Well, with other dogs, they get big very fast, mm. uh, and uh, they're often quite energetic and need walking a lot more. But yeah, it's more of a stage of maturity I'm thinking of. I think mm. what people, from my observations of people getting dogs, the they want what they. I think the better time for them to start owning a dog is slightly older than the average person tends to acquire a dog, mm. because I think. When there's a there's a stage where the dog is still young and excitable, and that's a very fun time to own a dog because it will walk everywhere, it's very excited, everything is new, it's brilliant. Mm. Um, but it isn't like it's toilet trained, and it's <laughs> like or at least it's on its way to that, and it's not like so I don't know. I don't know how to describe I, it. It's it's a weird one. I, I genuinely think what a lot of people want in a dog. Is actually an older dog, and uh, people mm. people seem to obsess over puppies and young dogs. Oh, you, you have them from a young age, and you get to watch them grow. But if you want a well-behaved dog, or you want a dog that's got the right that right level of energy, either you're going to have to spend a lot of time training them, which a lot of people don't have, or you can just get an older dog that's pretty much already mellowed out and It will still 100% be excited to see you, and it will actually still be energetic, but it comes with... Because my my dog was... She was kind of young for a very short period of time, and then old for a very short period of time, and just middle-aged for most of her life. Yeah. Like, longer... But she, she, like... She was very old, and then got old as in kind of spiritually. Like, Mm. you know, she's like, oh, she's 14, 15, she should be. You know, and then suddenly in the last, like, couple of months of her life, everything started to collapse. But prior to then, she hadn't slowed down at all. She could still do ridiculously long walks. And I know that that is just that dog happening to be, I don't know particularly fit or particularly resilient, you know, just something about it specifically. But that meant that she was the ideal dog for me when I was like late primary school teenage years, because she managed she didn't need walking all the time, but she could go on as long of a walk as I could be bothered. Yeah. So if I didn't have time, if I was if it was a busy period of my life and I didn't have time to give the dog a long walk. It didn't need it, and I didn't have to feel guilty about having not done that. On yeah. the other hand, when it was summer or Easter and I had F all to do, I could go for several hours and just be like, Dog, we are walking today until I can't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, my, my dogs are quite fortunate on that front, and that my mum is a dog walker, and she just often takes them out with her. Mm. So they, despite the fact there are many of them, they actually tend to get the walk that they would need. Uh, yeah, because I cannot exhaust my cousin's dog, which is a lab. Because it just it just will not stop. I mean, I like lo- I love walking talking, yeah. but God, that thing! I'm just like yeah, that- stop. Off. Just I mean, some appreciable like. I'm I'm not saying that you have to be exhausted every time we finish walking, <laughs> but I'd like to notice some change in your demeanour having walked for quite far for ages. Yeah. So so before I actually went to the cur- before I got the job that I currently have. I would help my mum out with the dog walking, and there was a particular Labrador that would walk. Mm-hmm. And they had specifically came with a, a ball thrower. Yeah. You know, the, like the long sort of stick thing, slightly curved, and you can use it to throw a ball a long way. And we'd walk this Labrador and would take several balls because they would lose them. Yeah. Uh, Fair or enough. They would, they would stash them away and find them on a later walk. <laughs> yeah I've done that Labradors are very good memories For where The tennis balls end up But We would walk along Throw it Chase after it Run back And we'd do that on a walk That would take about An hour's walk Yeah All the while Throwing this ball Backwards and forth Backwards and So forth. it's doing three or four times As much oh, yeah, running ab- as ab- you are Absolutely It yeah. would get back And it'd have a light pant Absolutely <laughs> yeah, be my... Absolute machine Yeah Dogs are great though I do like dogs I, I, I... I... I do think I will own a dog when I'm older. Like, so so this is one that um, my my partner's been saying to me is that oh when if we ever get a house together with all the others we're gonna have a dog a cat a rabbit no we're not uh, having <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> we we absolutely are not we're having no. one pet and a yeah. single pet my mum my mum always had the theory that she may as well get me a dog because otherwise you go through a series of animals. Mm. With a with child specifically, she, she her theory was you'd go like guinea pig, hamster, rabbit,
1: <laughs> eventually
0: end up a dog or cat, and she didn't like cats, so we were getting a dog. So <laughs> And it worked. Like, I, I've got to say, her theory proved true because her sister argued this theory, and her sister now owns a dog having gone through all of the other pets. Yeah, no, no, I, I have also actually done that. I have had a guinea pig that I called Nosy, um, they... and fish. Hmm? I had fish before, actually. That is the one thing. Most that I people had. have had fish, yeah. Anyway, carry on. So I, I had a guinea pig called Nosy, and nosy was you know, when you're six, seven, having a pet is the absolute greatest thing ever and not your responsibility. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was a thing that um, the dog trainer said to my mum was like it will not be. It will be your dog. He is too young to to train and listen and to do the dog things. When he's a bit older, it might become more the two of you's dog. But at that point, the dog will be too old to care about anything other than it being your dog. Yeah. <laughs> so and I'm not saying the dog will still like him. It just will not be. You know, a dog yeah. can have one owner really. So this this guinea pig was the first in a long line of. Um... Unfortunate pets. What did you do? <laughs> I, I did nothing. Um, what, what happened sure. is that we had an outside pen for it. Because, you know, right. a, even as a guinea pig, you do need to give it some time outside. Sure. Uh, and there was Nosy and there was Gloria, who was the other guinea pig, which is my sister's then hyphen sure. guinea pig. Sure, sure, sure. Which, also, funny enough, was looked after by my mum and dad. <laughs> uh, and a cat. Right. Happened. Ah, and no, Ooh. and Nosy gallantly fought against this cat to save Gloria. And as you can imagine, lost. Lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> lost. lost. Badly lost. Now, the, <laughs> the, 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 first time this happened, Nosy lost an eye. Right. Which, you know, as a child, if you, oh, I think, oh, I've got this cool guinea pig that had a fight against a cat and lost an eye. And, We did not learn a lesson, and about a year later had a second fight against the cat and did not... Lost it more comprehensive And and lost in a more comprehensive manner. So, and eventually Gloria died of age, and was buried at the end of our garden, and I assume the bones are still there. Yeah, there's loads of... I mean... The end of our garden has many animal bones. Right, well, (laughs) moving on. Let's move on to our next topic. Fair enough. And our next topic is from Phoebe. It is, As art is ultimately subjective, there is no point in award shows like the Oscars, Emmys, Grammys, etc. Discuss. Uh, That's a thoughtful, thoughtful... Now... (laughs) Art... Art is subjective, but even though it's subjective, there are things that many people like, and I think there's a certain talent and there's a certain merit to being able to work out what those things are and make something that a lot of people do like. Yeah, I mean, I guess I always see, like, I do think award shows like these ones that are listed are not great. Mm. I think they have their problems, but the idea that just because it's subjective means there's no point, that feels that feels really reductive to me. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of things are subjective, but that doesn't make them any less a thing or valid. Yeah, and, like, you can still admire the technical skill. There is still, like, useful technical observation, innovation, creativity that you can recognise with these awards. Whether they do or not is a different matter, (laughs) but you can still recognise that quality in something. Yeah, I mean, I think... And it won't always be the case of things that get an award, but I think if something has brought happiness and joy to a large group of people, and if it's moved people, then I don't see why it being subjective should necessarily bar it from having an award and being recognized. Yeah yeah, yeah. or an individual like an individual who does stuff. I mean it, I think the thing that like really like solidified the idea of awards around me. Was in my first year. Um, there was two people I knew going up for an award that was outstanding commitment to a society in the DSU, hmm. and, the t- and the only one person could win. And I'd helped not get one of them nominated, so I because I thought so the society awards had come round and various people had said, "Oh, we should." try get the improv society nominated for something and various people were discussing this and I said we shouldn't we should get this individual nominated for the outstanding commitment award because let's look let, like look at this person who's graduating now they've been workshop officer they've directed they the pre- they've been the president they've done this they've mm. done that they've pushed for this. you know a lot and so they've not only hold, held a lot of walls but well beyond what those roles require so I said suggested this to people people start doing it. Um, he was invited, and he did eventually win. But the other person was another personal friend of mine who was president of a different society Mm. who I also knew went really hard and did really hard and put lots of work in. And I couldn't argue either that he didn't deserve to win the award. And I always sort of thought, I don't know how the people who actually judge this judge this, right? Mm. Because I, as someone who knows and has first-hand experience you know one of them was in my college and in first year at durham you stay in your college so i had breakfast with him every morning and usually he was talking about his society and stuff you know i saw i saw him around a lot and you know sort of knew how that society was going i was kind of close to it i wasn't in it but and then the improv society i was in and knew and nominated i was like if i know these two people well enough to think they both can win how do the people who don't know either of them actually award this award? Because there are other two candidates as well. yeah, and I'm like, not presumably I, I am willing to assume the majority of the people who get nominated especially for this particular award, given that the way you get nominated is a large number of people, can be asked to write in and yeah. send your name. Probably legitimate, like it's probably like. I mean, I I assume they they in a sort of crude way of putting it, they just take the data that's been given to them. Yeah, I life. know. So, but that's obviously super subjective, and they're a stage removed from the subjectivity. Like, mm. if I write in to nominate someone, I obviously think they're great, but I don't have any way of judging if they're greater. Like. I might look at someone else and think, oh, fuck, this person's commitment to this society blows them out of the water. But I can't possibly know that. Hmm. I don't don't know. So having saw them win and stuff, I sort of thought, yeah, awards are useful, though, because even being nominated meant a lot to both of them. Yeah. They were very... Because, you know, it meant that lots of people, they cared about... Like, winning the award was nice, but it was somewhat secondary for the one of them that won it, because it was the fact that they got nominated, yeah. And they got nominated by the people they care about. Randomers giving them an award didn't matter so much as the people they care about being happy for them Hmm. and wanting them and saying that they did a good job. I don't know, I... I, I also think the problem with this is, if you start applying it, it's kind of like you said, lots of things are subjective that doesn't mean there's any point. You can use that kind of argument to reduce... Nearly anything Well it's subjectivity Well this is subjective therefore It does not help like Yeah but the fact that it's subjective is subjective You can get yeah. that kind of circular yeah, argument true. and I, I, So I think That's not the, my, I think my response to this is that's not the reason Those award shows are a bit pointless The reason they're yeah. a bit pointless is To do with a lot of other things It's like so you feel very self-congratulatory And very kind of the people and... There are flaws in all of the systems that award those awards. Mm. It's not just, like, subjectivity that gets in the way of that. There's some, you know, other concerns and other considerations. So I sort of think... I don't I don't watch any of those shows. I don't care particularly about them. But I don't think their subjectivity makes them... I, I think it's, it's a weird one. And I agree that there's issues with all these shows... But I also think it doesn't mean that it's wrong that they exist. Something, no, like no. That, something like that needs to exist. It just needs to be better. And I think yeah. it's not wrong that people enjoy partaking in it. I don't think it's wrong that people enjoy watching it. And humans must like awards, because you can be award- awarded an award for nearly anything. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I, I guess it's just that humans have that innate... Need to be recognised yeah. to Steve. see what like they're doing well. I've been I've been to the Fringe three years running now, and I always keep an eye out for people that win awards at the Fringe. Hmm. And there are different ones that I think are better or worse than others because of how these comedy awards tend to favour people. Like all of the awarders tend to have certain
1: because the Fringe yeah.
0: is such a massive thing, they have to set some kind of. System by which they like that discounts some acts; otherwise, they're never gonna. They they have to kind of acknowledge we've not scratched the surface even of just this festival, never mind all of comedy. Yeah, and it's like so. For example, the the one that's often reported on the Fringe is the best joke of the Fringe, but that's just a one liner award. It's not like. Saying of every single joke told at the fringe, this is the best yeah. one. It's saying this was the best one liner we could find of all of the one liner comedians. And usually it's pretty good. I mean, um, Adele Cliff, who I really like, is a really good one liner comedian, keeps getting in the top 10. And I'm like, yeah, no, that is probably one of the funniest one liners I heard at this festival. But it's not as necessarily the best comedy I saw. And that's what it gets touted at. And that irritates me. Mm. So I'm like, it's not. And it's, in, and it's only touted as that by key, like news organisations that are making a news report for people that don't care. Mm. You know, like kind of just being like, well, the Edinburgh Fringe has s- happened, here are the awards, goodbye. Yeah. Well, uh, the people that like watch comedy already know what that award is, so it doesn't matter to them. That, that, that is always the issue of media outlets and news and that kind of thing. Whenever they report again about something that isn't, I don't want to say mainstream, but not something that's commonplace. Is the second, but they were reporting about comedy or larp. They they take a certain tone. Yeah, I mean, there's always the art snob like thing towards comedy that I don't like. It's like, oh, it's a comedy. Um, I mean, the, a friend of mine tells a, <laughs> a really funny story when so a couple of years ago, there was a group of theatre groups in Durham wanting to do something for think it was international women's day it was something to do with that there was some but i think there was particularly significant women's rights day coming up mm. and as it was a couple of years ago and i wasn't here i don't know which one it was but it was some particular anniversary of possibly votes for women or that was a bit too recent so it was something like that and they wanted to do some theater for it okay. and all of the people were around and they were all proposing really grim dark things to celebrate women's Like, ability in theatre. And my friend observed, one, most of the people there were men. And then, two, he just shouted, women can be funny. (laughs) Because he was like, friggin', just do like a... uh, Like, all of these projects are all about how miserable and how... So... Like, how oppressive everything still is. And it is. And he wasn't saying, don't do that. But he was like, if you're going to do a grand festival... Maybe in one of them, at least want to do one or two plays that celebrate the successes. Given that it, this is an anniversary yeah, of I, a success, I can imagine if it's if it's big a big enough movement that it's got an anniversary will be the suffrage movement. That'd be my guess. I mean, I don't yeah. know something, and, something something. It feels really dismissive, and I'm sorry for sounding like that, but I genuinely can't remember. But like whatever it was, that was what they were trying to do a thing for, and well, his point was just. Do something you're, you're, positive. You're, you're right, though, in that I've I've noticed it because when I was younger, my dad would always get me to watch the History Channel. All right, yeah. And one, one of the things I noticed is that when they cover covered things like the suffrage move movement, there's always this tone of mourning about it. Yeah, like it's it's always just so negative. And I'm not saying like it was a really good point made on a podcast I listened to. It's quite a, it's a podcast by a comedian who was talking about how she was hired as a, as a writer for um, I think it was Mock the Week. Big mm. panel show. Um, and she said so what I do when I get commissioned to write stuff for a panel show or a TV show of any kind is watch a lot of it if it's already mm. been on. Because I want to know the feel, I want to know the comedians that are on, particularly if I know that what comedian's going to be on for my show, I kind of want to Write prompts that'll help them and write, you know, material and questions and stuff that will let them use their own material and stuff like that. So she was watching loads of it and she said, The thing I noticed by watching, because I went right far back, you know, was that there was no black and no female panelists until very recently. And lots of my friends always talk about the lack of the token. Female and the lack of that. I said, but it's really noticeable that there has been progress when you do it like that. And he said, and it's, it's sort of like she was talking about, and this is part of a way more in depth and involved conversation. Um, and I, it's Alice Fraser's podcast, Tea with Alice. Um, if any person who listens to this podcast likes podcasts where the whole point is to have difficult and interesting discussions about issues like this, you should listen to this podcast because that's the point of it. So, obviously, my summary of it is not going to be as detailed or as interesting as this. So, you should go listen to the original. But she said it's a really tricky balance between still putting pressure on and not making people feel like everything they do will never be enough. Because mm-hmm. that can depress the activists and it can make the um, sort of TV producers, editors, the people with power that you're trying to influence. More hostile and more belligerent, and her guests kind of questioned this, and they had a long discussion about it, which is why I think people should listen to it, but it was yeah, it was interesting so that, that, that actually reminds me of one that I saw on the news recently that interested me is I think it was earlier today actually or it was reported earlier today is there were people have started protesting, but have stopped they've stopped being peaceful about it. I don't mean they've turned violent, but I mean they've started Being gluing, loud. Be, being loud, yeah, they're gluing their hands to train windows and they're doing that kind of thing. Mm. And the thing that immediately struck me and my dad is, well, they're getting noticed. Yeah. And no. they, you know, I I'd never heard of this protest before. But the second that they'd started acting like that, suddenly they've gained traction they've got all this attention. And I think that actually reflects a bit of a problem in the way that Protests are paid attention to in the way that journalism yeah, sort goes, don't goes want about them. that. Do you like, Yeah, you you want them to gain that traction from the peaceful. Because the dangerous part of that is, it can work the other way. People are always like sort of go, "Oh, UKIP slash the Leave campaign, winning it was such a surprise." It's like they well, got more media coverage than anyone else because they were always saying outrageous things. Yeah, like it's not a difficult trick. Um, anyway, we've wandered well off topic, so <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think it's time to move on. So, our next topic, and our final topic, is if there was an apocalypse and you were barricaded in your local supermarket which kept its power, how long do you think you could survive inside with the stock provided? How would you go about preserving food, etc., to get the most out of it? Ooh. And this is from Pete, who I used to work with at the Tesco. So, I'll let you answer, and then I'm going to tell you some inside tricks. So, a lot of this depends on the supermarket, I suppose. I've never worked at one. Mm, so I don't have that kind of insight. I think we. I think we should imagine a, a reasonably large, well-stocked supermarket, like not a local, small local one, quite a reasonable-sized supermarket. It's, see, even then, that very much depends on if they have. Do they have in this hypothetical supermarket? Do they have the Outdoor section that some of them have, where you walk outside. I'm going to say no got- to outdoors, but yes to clothes. I think that's the side okay, you yes should think of. So they 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 don't have-, have like electricals, clothes, food. Do they have soil? Do they have like little plant pots with soil in it? I feel like only like they might have those bags of soil that they sometimes have out outside. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. don't have. They probably don't have a dedicated outdoor. Okay, thing, but like so- bags, bags of soil work. So. You could plant some of the veg. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's my immediate, immediate thought is particularly if it's got access to the roof, like some of them do. Yeah, they nearly all do. Yeah. So I, I, my initial impression would be to use the soil bag, get to the roof, do some planting and that kind of thing. Obviously, lock the automatic doors because otherwise, the zombies are going to get in. Well, this isn't like a step by step. This is like first <laughs> things first. Get planting. Like, get yeah, planting. no, no, like, I no, no, You need like the obvious things or you need to barricade things. While still leaving way for to actually get out, mm. uh, it 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 amuses me that in a lot of media you see they sort of barricade themselves in, and you sort of think, okay, how are you actually gonna leave? Yeah, how are you gonna leave? And not not in the sense of yeah, sure you can like pry your way out, but I mean like if something does get in at some of the or like ent- a one of the fire starts, yeah, or a fire starts or something like say for example, one of the entrances gets breached and the zombies come in, and you have barricaded the entire place, and you think. Okay, but you, now, now you're trapped. Also, like the fire doors that open outwards, pretty sturdy. Like I don't think I don't think it meaningfully will slow the like if the zombies can get through that, they can probably get through anything you're going to barricade with. So hmm. probably don't bother. Like I'm thinking of the fire doors, so the big doors and the glass stuff you probably want to reinforce. But like well, t- t- the big yeah. the, the big fire doors that are like at the back, you probably. Like, I don't think zombies are meaningfully going to push through those. Well, by design, they're barricaded. Yeah. Like, so, sh- I think that should be your escape exit. Yeah, that, that's a good call. Well, Cause almost as a- if it is designed for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. But, like, yeah. Uh, so, in terms of preserving food, there are massive industrial freezers at in the back of every supermarket. Yes, yes. The supermarket. Um, and there are way more than you think there is. Um, so... I would grab as much of it as I could into those freezers. Mm. Then it's like get through as much fresh food as I can. What I, what I would do actually is go onto the stock computer if I could and look at the stock record mm. because that will tell me when everything is was last delivered and I will be able to tell what we can eat and when um, and how we're going to ration it. Now... I don't think there's a good way to save most of the fruit and veg because that is most supermarkets that is so quickly turned over they don't bother yeah having freezer space for. Um, I mean, I, the only thing I could think of and I don't know that it would work. This is a lot of me just saying that, that sounds like it would work. Would be the supermarket has electric and it has blenders. I would blend what you can. Yeah, blend uh, th- 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 stuff. There's possibly something you can mix in to the blend that would make it last longer. I mean, i have a staff kitchen, it. so you can cook everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know how long I could survive. I don't... Oh, you can make things into jams. Yeah. Jams last longer. So you could do a lot of that stuff, Um rotate your freezer stuff. I mean, I reckon you could survive on lots of... Like, a lot of this stuff will keep for frigging ages. Oh, yeah, so... So food, I actually think, is not a problem in yeah. the supermarket. So the, It's the other stuff. Yeah, so the the issue of me as a person is that I would not be... Say, for example, it was just me in there. I'd, I'd not be content with that. Uh, I would be making efforts to sort of reach out and induct other people, even, even though I know that that's such a bad idea. I, I would want to try and get other people, I would want to be. You need to college. be introverted. Yeah, like yeah, like, I know you need else. to be introvert to survive. But <laughs> I, would want to be leaving the see, marketplace to- in a massive zombie apocalypse. I'm just kind of, I never, I'm not much of a survivalist in these kind of situations. I'm just sort of like, well, see, I, I know what's the point. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd actually be more fortunate if I were stuck in, say, a supermarket that was in Durham. Yeah. So, like, <sighs> depends on how friends and family and stuff are doing, but if I just think the whole world's, like, inescapably fucked forever, then I'm sort of like, well, I'm not the person to rebuild here. See, I'm I'm stubborn enough, and I have enough of, well, if there's nobody left and there's just me, that means I'm the protagonist, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you know, it is that this kind of thing where it's like, if I'm the only person in the room, that makes me the protagonist. <laughs> like, if I look around this city and there's nobody there, I am invariably either the protagonist... Or if I, I guess I if I'm like greedy enough and hold this all to myself, I become the antagonist. Hmm. But there's I don't know, I I would want to be with other people and i want to seek out other people. Yeah, I think I would eventually. I'm just but I, I certainly they wouldn't come to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I certainly wouldn't give in to despair because I don't yeah, I just I don't I don't know, like I always I always struggle to answer these questions because I always find the arguments involved in them kind of silly. Like, I know, I am aware, I have enough survival knowledge to know that I don't know enough to survive very well. Yeah, <laughs> no. It's- so I'm always like, well, this would be my plan. And then someone points out a million flaws in it. And I was like, yeah. well, yeah, but I wouldn't have you. So I'd just <laughs> die is the answer there, yeah. isn't it? Like, It's, 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 it's like... The marketplace one is is a weird one because it removes a lot of things. Come down to chance and fate. Mm-hmm. For example, I could say, "Oh well, I'd look for X," and it's like, "Well, X might actually be out of stock." Yeah, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things like that. It's like in the ideal situation, I'd get in the contact with a few people I know. Like for example, with the gardening area of things, I probably just call somebody I knew who was better at gardening than me. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's all well and good. That tale, said, but if I... the zombie apocalypse it will probably give you a good impetus to improve your skills. <laughs> <laughs> some some motivation, yeah. I, uh, I love the idea. So I've just got to the idea of a game. Like, I'm thinking of you to game, but like a zombie survival game, which just has a million skills, and one of them is gardening, and it's just like, when am I ever going to need that? And then you come up against <laughs> the gardening skills test, and you're like, oh, I haven't improved gardening enough. <laughs> well, uh, goodbye, survivor number three. <laughs> it's like, I, I can garden in the sense of, the way that anyone can garden, that makes them think that they can garden. Is the sense that I know that you can put seeds in soil and water them, and, and Congrats, that, and that well makes a plant. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I, I know that there's like plant feed you can use, and I, uh, you know, I know you can improve the quality of the soil, and I know about, I know about chemical composition in soil. Hmm. I do not, for the life of me, know how I would influence that. Is that is that something? Is that one of the things? There's a selection of stuff from my GCSEs. So the science GCSE I did insisted on having real-world applications in it. Oh, God. So at each one, I was like, but this isn't useful. So, like, I know how a catalytic converter on a car works, how a speed camera works, <laughs> why the, what the hardware process is and why it's used in industry, and shit like that. And I'm like, but I'm not necessarily going to go into any of these fields. And if I do, this GCSE level knowledge is insufficient. Yeah, I mean, for using that, I would have to have more training. Therefore, this bit of the GCSE is silly. Stop it. (laughs) Just teach me science. Would you, would you rather learn that the (laughs) mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell? (laughs) But at least I (laughs) understand that, that is at least biology and is Uh... some knowledge. Right? You, you say that, but I'm not 100% that I even pronounced that right. Uh, my, my t- my, Michael, Michael Condry may as well be that one thing from Star Wars that gives people the force. For oh, the like, like, <laughs> Michael, oh. there we go. Like, <laughs> the, the, the two words are very interchangeable to me. I made, uh, when, I was, when I was young, in the Star Wars nerd and the prequels were out. Um, as as though they've ceased being out now. But when I, I went for a blood test and I made the doctor measure my midichlorian count, oh my god. That's <laughs> I was that's a complete be- nerd. Yeah, that, that's somewhere between, like, adorable and absolutely right <laughs> No, I... I it was pretty great. I'm not going to lie, and he and he'd seen the films. that He played along and told me that I had an incredibly high false appearance. That is adorable. Oh, that's amazing. I think you're fine. <laughs> 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 yep, I am the Jedi Master. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> oh God, so so did you ever did you ever have a lightsaber? You know, if yeah, we oh them, yeah, like compressed that yeah, yeah, flick them out. Loads. So my one of my most fond memories of those is. I I had, you know, one of the kids that you get pushed to interact with. Like, not not even in your school, but, like, they're a family, friends, kid. So and you're, Angel- just, you're just nearly always around them, and the parents yeah. want you to be friends because they're friends. Yeah, no, yeah, I know yeah, what yeah. you're talking about. So, there, there was a kid, and he, he'll have been, like, three, four years younger than me. So I'll have been, like, eleven, and they'll have been, like, eight, nine. Just old, just enough of an age gap that they think you're cool. Right, yeah, fair. And when you're 11 and somebody thinks you're cool, you think that's the best thing in the world. Oh, absolutely, yes. Like yes. You're something like, oh my god, this kid idolises me, this is awesome. And b- basically he'd brought me to hang out with him and a bunch of his mates. And they all had lightsabers. And he had a collection Mm. So what this ended fine up fine addition to my <laughs> <direction>. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> a, a real general grievous in the making. So what this ended up with was three little kids th- with one lightsaber versus me with two of the best lightsabers. Ah, so these we, lightsabers, this lightsaber had like, like an extendable hilt that came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas best didn't. So I, I can remember me stood there fending off three <laughs> small children. As I'm parrying, dodging around, imagining myself as this Jedi master. Yeah, uh, I definitely did that with like neighborhood children. But funnier thing that I did was um, me and Max w- when we were in judo. Me and my my training partner were doing a little bit of not really sparring. We were just like trying to kind of get warmed up, do a couple of grubs. We weren't we weren't trying very hard because the session hadn't started hmm. yet. Um, and some of the this was on Friday when we had. Every age, which included very young to adult, like proper adults, like 30 year old and older. Um, and for some reason, our judo instructor, because he did, he felt like it that day, instructed all of the small children to go and attack me and Max. <laughs> and <laughs> Execute all the 60 cents. We were much bigger. And judo is only really a one-on-one thing. So, each time, and the children would come running up to us, we would throw one of them, and they'd have to turn around to get the next one, <laughs> and throw that one, and throw another one, and then he went, good, everyone's warmed up now, and I was like, you! <laughs> <laughs> you, I don't like what you did! And, and so you, that was uh, hard! And you can imagine the kids around the time of their lives getting caught Yeah, no, they were really enjoying yeah. it! Yeah! <laughs> oh, oh dear. Anyway, I think, that is sufficient discussion. I yeah, yeah. Declared. We, we, we wandered quite far away from the <laughs> the topic. It of always happens, yeah. and I don't mind it. I mean, we wandered further away. I think on the Emmys and Grammys, and well, what we got very philosophical around that one. But anyway, uh, our topics were doggos. Uh, as art is ultimately subjective, there is no point in award shows like the Oscars, Emmys, Gramma ex- Grammys. blah, the Blah. blah, blah nah. Discuss. Uh, if there was a zombie apocalypse and you were barricading your local supermarket, which kept its power, how long do you think you would survive inside with the stock provided? Uh, oh, how would you go about preserving the food, etc., to get the most out of it? We didn't really discuss that. Who cares? Jam. Uh, jam. Jam and refrigerators. Uh, Jacob, do you have anything you'd like to say before we sign off? Quibbage. Quibitch, excellent. Uh, subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and other podcasting platforms. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and if you would like to give me a coffee, then you can do that on Buy Me A Coffee. It sends me money for coffees. In fact, it does it by coffee amount, I've discovered recently. It's great. Uh, anyway, say so goodbye, Jacob. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.